Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So one of the things that comes up for people in therapy a lot is the world of dating. And dating has obviously become a lot easier over time. In the old days, you just sort of had to meet somebody out somewhere and then let them know that you were interested and pursue that that way and then ask someone on a date and then see where it goes and that kind of thing. Nowadays, things are a lot easier with dating being online, that you have a bigger selection of people and you can tell right off the bat what somebody's intentions are in terms of whether they want to date casually, whether they're looking for marriage, whether they're looking to see just where a potential relationship could go. And so I think it's a lot easier from that perspective than it used to be because people had to put themselves out there more. They had to meet somebody, keep the conversation going, let their intentions be known and find out if the other person then was interested in pursuing something more. And so there was a lot more regular risk for people, I guess you would say. So nowadays there are also reality TV shows about dating and you can get some insider information from that perspective. Now there is a show called Love on the Spectrum. And if you haven't seen this show, I would say to watch it just to restore your faith in humanity. Because what it is, is a group of young people who are diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder. And there is a behavioral coach who helps them along with their social skills as they try to date other people who have a similar diagnosis. And what's so wonderful about this is they're so honest about how they feel. And that includes everything. They will tell you how they want to fall in love. They will tell you when they're having anxiety and they're feeling uncomfortable. And it's just so honest. And the young people who are in the show are just so earnest. And all they want to do is find love. All they want to do is make a connection with another human being. And it's so hard for them with their challenges. And so you just really root for them the whole time. And so that's one that's a great show about dating. Now, there's another one called Indian Matchmaking that came out during the pandemic. And this is a show about people who are Eastern Indian and they are looking for traditional matchmaking. And there is a traditional matchmaker who's looking to match them up. Now, as Americans, we may not fully understand what the matchmaking is about in their culture, in Eastern Indian culture. And I think at one point I thought it was just like your parents pick somebody for you and you're just kind of stuck with that person. But it turns out it's not that way. 
it's finding potential mates who have similar families and similar values. And from there, figuring out who of the matched potential mates is the one that a person is most connected to. And so there does leave some wiggle room to date around and figure out who is the best potential match. And so that's another reality show on Netflix that I think is also really nice because it's a lot of discussion about morals and values and what people are sort of looking for in their mates and what they need. And everybody on the show is looking to get married and build a long-term relationship. And so I think what's refreshing about this show is that they're really clear when something doesn't work. They're very clear about not being able to go the distance with somebody because of a personality trait or because of a lifestyle or whatever that makes a person realize this isn't going to be the one for me. I'm going to let them know right away that this isn't a match or the matchmaker lets them know. And so I think it's also a really honest dating show with a group of people who are really in touch with what they're looking for and what they need. So in terms of American dating, we probably need these two TV shows to just sort of give us some hope in the world, because at least from my perspective, it's sort of a train wreck out there. Now, I think a lot of people would still like to date in the traditional way, meaning that you go somewhere, you meet somebody, you strike up a conversation, and then ask them out on a date. And a lot of people, even young people nowadays, would like it to go that way. But the problem is it's hard to really meet people out and about and then cross over into the world of dating. Meaning like if you're at a coffee house somewhere and you see somebody and you strike up a conversation, a lot of times it's hard to go from that just sort of casual discussion into, I would like to ask you out on a date. A lot of times people, because online dating is so prevalent right now, feel really weird about meeting strangers in person and then trying to ask them out on a date. Um, so that's been really hard for people of all ages in my practice, even though a lot of people actually want that. The other thing is that a lot of times friends will set up some of my clients with some colleague or acquaintance they know, or even friend of a friend that they know. And it's sort of a weird situation when it doesn't work out. It's like friends are not psychologists and they may not fully understand what you need or want and what you're looking for, or even what you're attracted to a lot of times friends can get this wrong, but then they'll have expectations. They can be completely wrong. And then they'll follow up and be like, well, how is it your date with Johnny? How did it go? I just know that you guys are destined to be together. 
And a lot of times, at least for my clients, they'll be like, you know, really, we had nothing in common. And I don't know what my friend was thinking of because that was a terrible match. But it's usually something like, well, my friend knew somebody who was single and I was single. And so we got set up, but we really have nothing in common. And really, there is no connection here. But there is an advantage to that situation too, and that is that if it doesn't go well, it's usually handled in a really polite manner. And maybe the friend who's the go-between sort of softens the blow, like, hey, you know, Sally didn't think that you were right for her, so I'll keep helping you or something like that. But what we see in the online community is something completely different. And this is where a lot of my clients have trouble. The first step, once people are through it, they feel more confident. They've created a profile, they've put up a picture, they've looked and seen who else is out there dating and, and who they might be interested in. But it's the stuff that happens after that, that becomes so upsetting to so many people. And that has to do with the way in which the online dating community communicates. And I think most people are familiar with the concept of ghosting. Somebody reaches out to a potential date, that person seems interested, Maybe there's a conversation via video chat. Maybe there's some texting that goes back and forth. And then all of a sudden, the person stops hearing from their date and has no idea what happened. It's just radio silence, no more texting, no more calls, nothing. And a lot of times people will come into therapy and ask, what did I do wrong? And, and we'll go through it and we'll try to figure it out. And usually the answer is nothing. That person just simply decided that they weren't interested in you. And that really wears on people's self-esteem that somehow they didn't have what it takes for a person not only to be interested in them, but even if they were going to be rejected for the person to have enough respect to say, look, I've met somebody else, or I don't think that we have anything in common, or I just don't think that we have what it takes to go the distance, so I'm gonna stop wasting your time. There's none of that. It's just an abrupt cutoff of communication. And that's really disheartening for a lot of people. Now, the other thing that happens a lot that brings people into therapy is that they'll meet somebody and they'll be going step-by-step step with the online dating stuff. And it starts off casual and then they're talking more and more and then they're texting all during the day and then they're doing video chats at night. And it seems like the other person is really interested in them. And a date will even say things like, I think that you and I have a great connection. I haven't felt this way about anybody that I've dated so far. It's been incredible. I can't wait to meet you. Let's meet at three o'clock on Friday at the coffee house, whatever. And then the person will show up and there's no sign of their date whatsoever. 
And this is also really disheartening and really disrespectful. And all I can say to my clients when they come in after this situation is, you dodged a bullet because that person is so incredibly disrespectful of your time. You don't want someone like this in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. There will be people who do this and then later say, oh my gosh, you would not believe it. Something crazy happened at work or my grandmother was suddenly in the hospital and they'll make some kind of what seems like a valid excuse and then do the same thing again later. And so it's really awful. And I really wish that people would find a better way than treating other human beings like this. So disrespectful. So the other thing that happens, which actually happened to me when I was younger and out there dating, uh, was that there was a person on the dating site who would act interested and pull you in and then they would tell you about their business in great detail. And I came to realize that this person was not interested in dating whatsoever, that it was a cheap way to get free advertising for their business, which I don't know what to do with that. It's like on the one hand, I think it's so sleazy. And then on the other hand, I think it's, I think it's pretty smart from a business perspective, but not very nice at all. The other thing is that when you're out there dating online, you have to be careful about safety, that you have to make sure that you not only do not end up a victim of catfishing, which is somebody pretends to be somebody that are not and reels you in, but also I think it could be worse. It could be a safety issue. And I know that there are a lot of young women in my practice who worry about this, who worry about going out on a date with a stranger and being afraid of, you know, the, the joke is being afraid that they're actually a serial killer. And I'm not saying that there's a whole bunch of serial killers out there, but there might be people you can't trust. And so I think you do have to be cautious about this. Sometimes people will put up pictures that aren't actually them or present a profile that isn't really them. And then you have to kind of figure out, well, in doing so, what was their motivation and what is their intention from here on? And so this is a concern for a lot of people. And I have clients who I tell them they should just write a book because they've had the most insane experiences dating. They've had the biggest weirdos that anyone has ever met, or they've encountered the strangest behavior. I think it was in the movie When Harry Met Sally that she talks about going on a date with somebody and the guy pulling a hair from her head and flossing his teeth with it. And I think that that was a pretty funny scene in the movie, but it's not that far off from some of the stories that I have heard about what people do in the dating world. So one thing I find funny about talking to people about their dating experiences is finding out what deal breakers people have. So I'll hear something like, 
well, you know, I thought he was a decent person. And then I found out that he listens to country music. And that's just a deal breaker for me. I can't deal with somebody who listens to country music because obviously they're just a hick underneath it all. And they probably have really backward ideas about things and this, that, and the other. And then from my perspective, I'll question what exactly that means. I'll ask, if there was any indication that that person was a backward thinker or misogynistic or whatever the, the term is, I will ask if there is any other evidence other than the listening to country music, for example, that indicated the person was this way. And a lot of times my clients will be like, well, no, but that says it all. Okay. Well, that's being a little picky and it's not being very investigative. It's not being very savvy in terms of looking for red flags, right? And then on the other hand, I'll get the other end of the spectrum where people will encounter situations that I absolutely believe are deal breakers and red flags, like a friend who told me that <laughs> this guy would disappear for months at a time and wouldn't contact her at all and would be out of the country. And then he'd be back in the country and then promise her the world and that he would sweep her off her feet and wanted to shower her with love and attention and presence. And then, and then he disappear again. And I said, I said to my friend, I said, are you, I mean, he must be married. I mean, this is the only thing that would make sense given his behavior right now or something else. I mean, something is terribly wrong here. And she would tell me, no, no, no. I mean, we have a connection that I've never had with anybody else. And um, I don't think so. I think that you know, he just gets busy when he has to go overseas. He has all these expectations from work and his family. And I just think he doesn't have time. But then when he comes back to the States, he can relax and be with me. And we're really connected. And someday we're going to be together. And I'm, you know, and I listen to stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, whatever you consider a red flag and whatever you think is not a red flag is ludicrous. So I think that there's that, that people become freaked out about things that are minor and then brush off things that are major. And unfortunately, a lot of people do this. And then there's something else that I learned about recently called breadcrumbing. If you've ever heard of this, the concept of breadcrumbing is that your date, the person that you are trying to date, stays in touch with you sporadically. And so they stay in touch just enough where you can't completely question it. They haven't completely cut you off, but they just kind of text every once in a while. Maybe they might even see you on a date, but they keep in touch in a way that is not really meant to propel the relationship forward. It's really just kind of a little check-in here and there. And the concept of breadcrumbing has to do 
more with the idea that the person who is doing it is not interested in taking things next level or having any kind of serious relationship with you. It just comes at a time when they're just feeling lonely and they just reach out a little bit. Hey, how was your day? Been thinking about you. You know, you looked great in that picture that you posted online. And then, and then the communication's back on again. And the person on the other end is waiting for it to go next level. And it never goes next level. It always stays at this friendly communication level that doesn't go anywhere. And basically all you are is an ego boost to the person who's reaching out. That's it. And that can go on forever. So be aware that that's a possibility too. And this is something I say to everybody, love is an action. What you should be doing is measuring the quality of a person by their actions, not by the words that come out of their mouth. How you feel on the inside is really important. If you feel discombobulated all the time, or you feel like you're getting mixed messages or you're confused all the time or you feel upset a lot that's probably a bad sign and it may not necessarily be you it might be the other person and sort of what they're doing behaviorally i know there's one thing that happens with a lot of people is that they feel bad when the person they are trying to date is a bad communicator and they get upset about it. Maybe I shouldn't be so upset. You know, I know that they are busy at work. I know that they have a lot on their plate right now, but I asked her a question, you know, two days ago and then she didn't answer me and I don't know what that means and I shouldn't be upset about it because I know she's busy. And this can go on and on and on. And so it's this back and forth between getting upset and then beating yourself up. And I would say, look at that, that if the other person is upsetting you with not having the same level of communication that you do, that's already a disability in the relationship. Unless the person is willing to change and get better with their communication, then you're in for a rough ride of disappointment and being angry at yourself for a very long time. And I don't think that that's going to be good for you in the long run. So another observation that I've made is that, of course, dating is so different from early adult life to mid adult life to late adult life. I think it's when we're young, when we don't have much experience in the world, our expectations for a, a mate are pretty low. It's just like, who listens to the same music as me and who has the same hobbies? I've heard this a lot. I've heard clients say that they went on vacation with somebody to test the relationship. And I think that that's a poor test of a relationship because, well, if the vacation goes badly, then you know. If it's a comedy of errors and the two of you are just not 
communicating well, or you like to do different things while you're on vacation, then okay, it's told you something. But just because a vacation with a new person goes well doesn't indicate that the rest of the relationship will go well. I'm not sure who decided that this was a good litmus test for how a relationship should go, and yet I've heard about it for years. Oh, we tried it out going on vacation. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people can find a way to get along if they're out on some tropical island and you know, enjoying perfect weather and the ocean and palm trees swaying. I think we could find a way to enjoy ourselves with lots of people, but that's not an indication that the relationship is ready for long-term or could go long-term or could go the distance. So it's interesting. But anyway, that that's probably something I hear mostly from young people. And like I said, the, the bar is pretty low early in life, when we haven't really settled into our careers, when we are still sort of developing our identities, we don't really know exactly what we're looking for. And so it's not until later, when we start talking about people who are dating in their 30s and 40s, and then everything changes, that it is important that all of the lifestyle choices and the morals and the values start really coming into play because people start to solidify their identities and sort of what they want from their partner and they become much more clear about what they want. And they think about things like whether to have kids or not have kids and finding a partner who's the same way or recognizing a partner who could be a good parent or recognizing a partner who has had a series of short-term relationships and maybe that's kind of a red flag because you're looking for somebody who's a little more stable at this point in life. People in their 30s and 40s are looking for loyalty, somebody they can trust, somebody who's financially stable, that the bar is a lot higher during this time frame. And I think it's people in this age range who struggle the most in terms of finding the right partner. And it can also begin to feel hopeless during this stage because you're getting older and you worry about ever finding the right person and that kind of thing. Now, when people begin to date older in life, and I'm talking about people who have already been married, already had kids, already had a career, maybe they're retiring, that kind of thing. There's some confusion that comes up because they think they're supposed to be looking for somebody the same way that they were looking for somebody in their 30s and 40s or even mid-20s for that matter. And the reality is like none of that stuff matters anymore. When you're in the home stretch of your life, you don't need to marry anybody. You don't need to rely on somebody financially. You don't need somebody to raise kids with you. All of that stuff is coming to an end and you really just need a companion. And also, a lot of times, older people, they'll say to me, you know, I already own my house and I don't need to move or I don't need to sell my house. I'm not interested in that. I don't know what to do if somebody wanted me to leave where I live. And my answer to them is always, 
Don't. All you need is a companion. You don't need to move in with anybody. You don't need to get married. You don't need to have children at this stage in life. You don't need to be moving around the country for career opportunities. This is the time when you enjoy yourself and you're in the home stretch of your life. And so you should enjoy yourself with dating as well. It shouldn't be so complicated. It, you should just be looking for a nice partner who you enjoy spending time with and then go back to your own house and enjoy your own life with your own kids if that's what you want to do right there's no rules at that point so i think in some ways that's kind of freeing but i know a lot of people who are looking at their golden years are also worried about spending their golden years alone and so there is a certain worry about it but also people at that age in life are pretty set in their ways so they really don't have time for somebody who's got a completely different lifestyle or problems or anything, right? It's just about finding an appropriate companion. And so I hope that this is helpful in terms of giving you insight into the dating world and sort of what you need and want in your future and what the deal breakers are or aren't and what to watch out for. And I hope that if you're having trouble being clear about what you're looking for or what you're willing to put up with or not put up with in the dating world, that you will reach out and work with a therapist on how to figure that out more clearly. Be well, and thank you for listening.